I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Yes, we're both a little serious today because, oh my gosh, it's it's time. We've been we've been building up to this all month, right? You have been. This is kind of it's kind of interesting because we're getting to the point where we actually do the epic episode for September. Yes, I mean we have been building up the road of road to Mothman. Well, this one, we're here. The road is, is we we literally hit the road tomorrow. And when this episode airs, we will be at Point Pleasant, West Virginia for the Mothman Festival 2023. Oh yeah, that, that's true. That's true. It's super exciting because it's my first Mothman Festival and my first opportunity to touch the butt. Yes, yes, you get to see the shiny hiney, enjoying the cult of the shiny hiney. Yes, yes, I'm very uh, excited about the shiny and, hiney. Uh, and we get to, you get to hang out outside the museum. We get to avoid Men in Black. We get to uh, you know, but you also get to see so many street vendors and so many things. And you'll hear and there's some great speakers this year. Uh, sadly, we were informed that the theater where they were going to have the podcasters did not pass inspection, did not pass safety inspection. So, Which, uh, and since the Mothman warns us of critical infrastructure failure, you know, it's only appropriate. So we will not be doing a live podcast there, but rest assured travelers, we will be recording as soon as we can after to tell you all the details and all that. So. Uh, yes, yes. No, super excited, but please come find us. We have, a, we're a vendor there. Please come find us. Come get um, meet the uh, Erie Travel team in person. It's going to yep. be me and you in an event, which is a rare thing. Both rare of us rare thing, like... yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> although some people said they met you at Indie PopCon, which you were not at, and then some people messaged you about meeting me uh, at an event you were at. So I was like, all right, wait a minute. Do we have doppelgangers? We'll have to we'll have to go into that. You know, in yes, a... um, uh, we do, but we can talk about that in a later episode. But yeah. and your amazing wife Carrie's gonna be there. So her yes. art with, and with her little creatures. Yeah, her little her little crochet creatures. But the best thing is we are premiering art there for the first time from her new book, A Natural Ohio, which she did Ooh. with a couple uh of uh docents from a university up in Ohio. And so she's got some some new illustrations, a new version of Mothman and a new version of Loveland and then some other lesser known stuff. Uh, so I'm very excited. We're going to have that there for the first time. That uh, is so cool. And I'll be very happy cool. to sign those books and I'll just sign them. I did not write this book, Mark. And then I, I'll sign with you. Neither yes. did I, Erica. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, what is also very epic that we're going to have is we have Paige Lavoie's I'm in love with math, man. And the debut of I'm Engaged to Mothman that's not released technically until September, yeah. I mean October, but we actually have it for sale, signed, and she added an extra doodle for anybody oh, who joins wow. it. And we have stickers that are from both of these books. So it's going to be so much fun to be up there. And if you haven't listened to that episode with Paige, you can find that 
you know, just a few episodes ago, and it was amazing. So she has some fun Mothman uh, stuff that she talks about. So, um, and we do have a breaking news item too. Yes. Breaking news is I'll let you do it, Mark, because I know you're fanning. Well, we have a very special, special announcement from Destiny Beard, the lady who, the wonderful angel of music that does our uh, wonderful songs uh, for all of our shows. Uh, And uh, she has a new song that you have to listen to the rest of this episode to hear. (laughs) Exactly. And the song is... It is called the, oh, oh, shoot, I've lost my notes. It's Angel of Death, and it yes. is a song about Mothman. Yeah. And she wrote it for us and composed it for us and performed it for us, and it will play at the end of this episode, and so Destiny playing us out will actually be the sneak peek of that song, but the link is in the podcast notes of how to purchase that song. Yes, you can own it yourself and not just have to listen to our episode over and over again. But you can if you want. Yes, uh, you can. Yeah. But uh, that way you will own it uh, digitally and able to download it whenever you'd like and listen to it on any of your devices that you would like to listen on. And, exactly. Uh, it's the first of our eerie travel songs. So it's yes, so much fun. Hopefully, if you guys give us plenty of good response, there will be more to come. And we will have future announcements about that because... Destiny's excited. We're excited. Of course, any Destiny Beard music in the world, I'm excited about. So, uh, well, it, as you should be. And this song is just, I went the first time I heard it, it gave me goosebumps. Like, oh, it's so yeah. amazing. It's, I love uh, it. Very haunting and, uh, you know, beautiful. Just, you know, it's, it's everything you want in a Mothman song. So, uh, and, um, you know, kind of touches on one of the sightings, which is what we will discuss shortly because with that gang buckle up oh and for those visiting us at the festival we're gonna have a special qr code so you can pick it up you can pick up the song there direct from uh you know direct from destiny there so yeah no it'll be epic and um don't you have a little trigger warning though on today's episode mark yeah i should be and we should be a little careful because we are going to be talking about the mothman of west virginia and not just his shiny hiney uh, we are going to be talking about a couple of the, you know the sightings that happened around then, and uh, of course we we cannot do that without discussing the infamous Silver Bridge disaster. So you know, trigger warning ahead. There is a uh, you know some critical infrastructure failure uh, involving a lot of deaths, but then we also will be talking about one one a little forgotten aspect of the Mothman sightings. And uh, that does involve uh, the death of a pet. So, Callie, I know that's why you're not uh, chiming in too much on this episode. So, uh, you know, if yeah, this so- is the thing you can't handle, you know, I'll try to give a head up, heads up when that's leading to that. But it's pretty early on. So, yeah, I was going to say, if that's not your thing, just scroll to the end of the episode so you can hear the amazing song by Destiny Beard. Or just come back after the commercial break. So, you know. Yes. But- okay. All right. Mark, lead me since we've been on the road to this. Lead me to Mothman. Yeah, because you know this is your first time, you know, learning all this fun stuff. Um, so uh, I'm not going to retread the stuff I did too much in Erie Appalachia. Okay. Uh, for those of you who have bought the audio book or you know have bought the the physical book, 
We appreciate you. And, uh, you know, so, so I'm not going to just word for word that you can, you know, don't worry about that. We are going to kind of take a trail. So you know the the basic area, Erica, that this primarily takes place in, and that is Point Pleasant, West Virginia, right on the Ohio River, right across from Gallipolis, Ohio. Wow. Uh, and what was Point Pleasant mainly known for? Because I know there's a lot of like mining and stuff like that in these areas. Um Maybe I just well, asked a question. You don't know. But what 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 was it kind of infamous for before? Well, it, before then, it was it had some history I and mean, it goes all the way back. This was a native land that was it's right on the bend in the river. So and it was a floodplain. So they would treat it uh, very similar to the Egyptians in the Nile, uh, where they could, you know, the waters would flood and it made this big fertile plain. So the natives tended it. This was one of the first agricultural stations. And they also did trading up and down the river to places far off, all, which, you know, the Ohio goes into the Mississippi. So, you know, they could trade with some of the cultures out there. And so we know stuff from the Point Pleasant uh, tribes traveled all over the world. And, um, and yes, and I do say world because we found some of their stuff in South America. They found some of their stuff amongst traders in the Viking area and, you know, and, you know, in, in Norway and the Netherlands and then, you know, other places and even Egypt and Greece had some stuff that only came from this area. So these tribes, you know, traded and the trading network, we don't know how it all worked because history, it's lost history, but yeah. most famously there was a chief named Cornstalk. And wait, this wait, well, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't drink on this podcast. I feel like I just did. What did you just say his name was? His name was Chief Cornstalk. Cornstalk. And... Oh my gosh, that's not what I thought you said. Okay. I literally heard Cornstar and I was like, that is impossible that that was an Indian <laughs> name. Chief Cornstar. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Well, okay. Sorry, he, did have a, he did have a famous mustache. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, he didn't. Cornstalk. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, was you know an, uh, he was one of those guys who really wanted peace for his people so uh the, the british bastard. the british had come over and had taken over and were you know starting to branch off into this area because hey the the seaboard is kind of getting full let's start marching deeper into these lands that you know we've made treaties with these people mm -hmm. uh but you know we need the land and the colonials are getting uppity you know, and are, 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 you know, are even threatening outright rebellion. We can't have that. So we'll team up with these natives in the area and we'll use them. Now, Cornstalk didn't want anything to do with that. So he made peace with both sides. It's like, hey, you know, what can I do to avoid this upcoming conflict? I can help you in ways we can give you guys food. We can help you a little bit. Um, but they uh the british said all right well as long as you go across the ohio river the other side of the river from this beautiful land here in point pleasant we'll leave you alone we'll make that the national border okay and the uh you know and the, the lands beyond that will belong to you all we won't touch it and then the colonials agreed to that treaty saying all right yeah that sounds good we're not going to go past that big big giant river it's it's annoying it's you know it's it's too much work for us we'd have to build bridges That'd be terrible. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, and finding fjords across that is, is impossible. It's a big river. So, so he moved his people across the waters and he moved all the way to what is now near Louisville, West Virginia. Okay. And, and uh, along a river that we now know as the Pope Lake River. Oh, uh, uh, hey, wait a minute. That sounds like another cryptid. That... I was like, there are many cryptids gathering in this location. This area, right? So, yeah. But um, so they were in that area. And yeah, so he goes over there and he kind of lives in peace for a little bit. And then this guy named George Washington and this other guy named Floyd. Uh, which you know that's you know perfect pairing there, right? You know, Washington General, and Floyd, got they it. They are surveyors, and they start surveying Kentucky, which is the land that they are calling this. And they are like, "Hey, this is beautiful land. We could have some settlers come here because once you get past that river and you get over a few mountains, this is beautiful. You know, we we'd have some bottomland again, and this is fertile land." So they all start claiming some land for themselves, and the natives are like, "Hey, we have a treaty with this." guy named Dunmore, Lord Dunmore, uh, from England that says, you guys wouldn't pass the Ohio. And they're like, oh, no, no, we mean the Mississippi, you know, which is what, you know, so. Oh, wow. Inching, inching. So they basically, you know, kind of mess up Cornstalk's plan. So Cornstalk's like, well, fine, if you guys aren't going to honor our treaty, I'm going to go back to my family in Point Pleasant, and we're just going to go back to where we know. Okay. And so he flees back there and that turns and uh but that's after there's a fight at Popelick in an area called Floyd's Folly because guess what happens? Floyd attacks the natives there and does not do well. Cornstalk and his boys whoop him real good. And so Floyd wow. has to heal and Cornstalk flees back to Point Pleasant to rally the troops. He's like, "All right, that's it. I've tried to be nice. You pushed me." Um uh, but in Point Pleasant, the Brits go, okay, look, we're going to be nice to you. Come on in. We're going to have a dis renegotiation. We're just going to, we're going to fix things. He shows up. They arrest him. And no. son, And they're going to, they're going to talk to him, but after we've arrested him. Uh, but then uh, a native supposedly attacks a, a white man nearby. So the town of Point Pleasant is so incensed by this that they go and shoot Cornstalk and his sons. Eight okay, I just want to say how absolutely ridiculously stupid people can be and like just this entire series of what the actual fuck, get your shit together, yeah. Americans, so, so seriously. That's the, that's the end of Cornstalk. But a 1927 play says Cornstalk laid a curse on the land to, uh, you know, for all the future settlers. This will never be a place of peace. I, I, I would lay a curse if all this crap went down too. Screw that. Uh, but to be fair, if you're shot eight times in the back of the head, I don't think you have much time to lay out a curse. No, but if you know they're coming, I'm just throwing yeah. out there, it's possible. All right. So that's, some people say that's where all this started. Okay. But, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I just think poor Cornstalk got screwed. 
you know, badly by the by the white man who came into his land. And it's a beautiful piece of land. But now we go way into the future because, all right, there's your history lesson, folks. Yeah. We are now going to when it gets exciting. Um, the first sighting occurs on November 12th, 1966. So, you know. Okay. That's not that long ago. I mean, if you really think about timing, no, that's not that long ago. November okay. 12th, 1966. There are five men who are digging a grave, working in a cemetery, not in Point Pleasant, but in a town on a hill called Clendenin, West Virginia, which is just okay. a few miles from Point Pleasant. And one of them saw, quote, a brown human being jumping into the air from some nearby trees. Okay. Uh, thing flew over them, and they said it was not a bird, but more like a man with wings. So can I first ask, there were five, one, two, three, four, five people digging a grave? Yes. Because imagine how tough it is to dig a grave when you don't have a backhoe like they do it now. So, okay. Okay. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Hey, you know, there is 66. It was, you know, it was a job. So, Got it. Five of them. That's fine. Yeah. How many people does it take? Yeah. Uh, a, a few of you. Have yeah. you ever tried to dig a grave? I just dug a new post hole for my mailbox and it was two of us and we only drove down two feet and that was a whole day's job. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to answer the question of if I've ever dug a grave. Thank you, Mark. It's called incriminating oneself. <laughs> I'm going to hard pass on that. Now I have dug a grave for Hellview, and it was uh, it was hard work. There were there were two of us, and uh, and it took us literally a day. If there were five of us, we could have done it in a couple hours. So you know, it's... okay. I'm I'm now believing the five people digging the All grave. Right. All right. So so that so that's November twelfth. So now we cut to a few days later, November 15th. And uh, we're going again, other part of West Virginia, and we're going to the town of Salem, West Virginia. Okay. Now this one generally gets lost in the story. So this is where that uh, trigger warning comes into place, uh, gang. So a guy named Newell Partridge uh, was sitting in his house and okay. around 10.30 p.m., he says his television just snapped off. This is 66. You know, now, admittedly, TV shows turned off. You know, the channels all went dark at around midnight. Yeah. But, uh, usually after the 11 o'clock news, and then they throw a little something on, and then nothing. But uh, for those of us that grew up in this time period. Um, but 10.30 was a little early. That's The news hasn't come on yet. So, um and he says, then it turns back on and there's just some strange pattern on the screen and a loud high-pitched whine coming from outside his house. And he said it sounded like a generator winding up. Now, this would have been a generator from back then, um, which are have a real high-pitched whine to them. Okay. His dog, Bandit, who's a German shepherd, starts howling. And so okay. Partridge goes outside to have a look. And once he's out there, he's bandits just growling towards the barn. Okay. And so he's got his flashlight and he shines it. And he says two red circles looking like giant bike reflectors reflect in his flashlight. And bandit 
takes off towards it. Okay. And he turns around to go get his gun. Like you do. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, if I saw giant red eyes near my barn, heck yeah, I'm going to go get my gun. I don't know why he didn't have it to begin with, right? But True, true story. Um, but something was, he felt weird. He was shaken by it. And he literally kind of goes to bed. Un- he admits he doesn't know why. It just, he was, he wasn't terrified maybe or something. But it sounds to me like he's describing a state of shock. So he doesn't go get, he went to get the gun, but instead goes to bed. Yeah, he but he sleeps, he grabs his gun and sleeps with his gun, which we do not recommend, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, that's travelers a, that do is not, not a good you know, idea. Okay. And, and, and ladies, gentlemen, and others, travelers do not sleep with a gun. No. But he wakes up holding the gun in bed and realizes bandits nowhere to be found. Okay. Goes outside and looks for bandit and can't find any trace of him. Oh. All right. Now, that's where we're going to leave that. So that's 1030 at night on the 12th. All right. Okay. So now, a little bit later, we're near the town of Point Pleasant. We're about a mile and a half outside of town in an area known as the TNT area. Okay. Now the TNT area is where we have the first encounter. And uh, that is- Well- The moment we've already had- Bandit had had the first encounter, right? Well, I think those five guys digging the grave had the first encounter. Yes. Bandit had the second encounter. So this is later that night, not long after. Okay. Um, so these two couples, they're married, uh, are driving, you know, you know, to, they just, they're in a car in Point Pleasant and it's an old abandoned World War II munitions plant Okay, in that area. And there are all these strips of road because it was designed like a military base and it was just a good place to go to get away from it all. Right. You don't want prying eyes on you, all this. So this was a place to go make out, right? This is lover's lane kind of thing. It's also a place to go drive fast and not have the sheriff pull you over and, you know, and all that. There are these domes that line the roads. These are old concrete domes that have had plants growing up on them for years. Again, long abandoned, but some of them still had explosives in them. Um, Okay. So it was kind of a thrill area too. And the couples were out there and they were over near the old power plant that powered all this. Again, long abandoned. And uh, one of the young ladies in the back sees two large red glowing eyes out the back window while the windows are kind of steaming up, you know, and she's, and so she screams. So and they're in lover's lane, they're making out, and there are glowing red eyes behind them. Yeah, somebody's peeping in the, that shouldn't be. And it's, you know, and she, they describe that the creature was shaped like a man, but bigger, maybe okay. six or seven feet tall. And it had wings folded against its back near the door of the abandoned factory. Okay. 
and it had its wing caught in what looked like barbed wire. And it used these muscular arms to pull its wing free. They described it as, one of them described it as basically a hairy angel. A hairy angel. So, but this is, so these aren't the ones that describe it kind of like a Sasquatch with wings, right? This That's is what, basically the description, if you read it, is they're describing a Sasquatch with a sunken head with giant wings. And when they the light headlights hit it, the eyes glow bright red, so it's got eye shine, and uh-huh. um, and that's when they they panic, and we're done. You know, let's get the hell out of here. What the hell is that thing? Well, uh, it's really interesting because people because there's eye shine, right, and then yes. there's actually glowing eyes. Yes, different. They're describing it as eye shine or glowing eyes. They are describing it as what well, it's in the back looking in as glowing red eyes. But then when the, the, the headlights hit it, it you know it reflects the eyes. Just got like it. Okay, that makes sense. With the flashlight, he saw the red eyes when he hit it with the flashlight. So that's why there's debate on this on Mothman. Does his eyes glow red or is there you know a reflection? So the driver breaks in terror and guns the engine. He's basically, let's get the hell out of here. And um now she's in the back and she's seeing it follow them. And she says it rises into the air. Yeah. Without flapping its wings. And it's the wings, but the wings do spread wide. And that's when they say, you know, 10 to 12 foot wingspan. And it's keeping pace with their car. So he guns it. And he gets up to about 100 miles an hour and this thing's keeping up with him. Wow. All right. And then it disappears as it flies over the car, passes them, but then disappears. But then um, now the driver's statement is the bird, that bird kept right up with us, you know, and they, but they would see it ahead of them. And it was. You know, stand. It was on like a stand beside the road, a signpost beside the road, and in front of that, they said they saw the body of a large dog, like it was perched over it. So, so there. Let me just skipping yeah. over the dog part. Um. Okay. So there driving this thing is keeping pace with them then goes in front of them stops and has a dog at its feet yes all right so they keep going and get past town right they get into town and it's gone it stops at the edge of town they're like all right we got away from and um the one she's like we've got to go back to prove this thing existed before we go to the police, right? Because, you know, horror movie, what do you do at this point? Run you know, upstairs. Yeah, exactly. You don't do anything. <laughs> you don't tell anybody, whatever. And when, when and when we're all watching the horror movie, we all go, call the police, call the police, get the military involved, whatever. So um, they are like, we need to call the police. And they're like, well, let's go back and see if it's still there. Okay. So they drive back they scooby-doo it you know and they see more another sighting of it 
And this time it's going into the plant, the, the power plant. Okay. And they originally saw it and that's it. They're like, okay, now we're done. We go in and get the sheriff. We know where it's at. So they go to the sheriff. Do we want to take a break? I think we could probably take a break pretty quick. Yeah. So just with a little anticipation, because now they're going to the sheriff. Okay, we'll be right back. Erie, Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. We're back. We're back. And so with bated anticipation, I feel like I should have popcorn, but everyone would be really pissed if they were listening to me sit here and just eat popcorn. popcorn. Yeah, yeah. But so they went back to look for it again, found it again, and saw that it went to the power plant. So went to get to the police because they were going to say it's at the power plant. Yeah. So they go get the sheriff. Okay. And, uh, and once inside town right they um you know they they go to deputy sheriff millard halstead okay and he's has he believes them he knows these couples right and he's like let's lead me out to where this was now what gets lost in this that you know a lot of people don't talk about is that there were other they were not the only people to see it that night uh, another group of four in the same area claimed to see a giant bird. Oh wow! Times, uh, in the same evening, but not you know not on the other side of the TNT area. So and they reported it enough that it scared them enough that they reported it to the police, but you know not the same way. So um, anyway, the so that one just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I was very happy to find that one. Um, but again, no names in that one. So it's just, it's literally just a, well, I mean, if you're a police officer and somebody calls you and says, there's a giant bird that I'm afraid of, like I, you got to give a grain of salt to some of these police officers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a weird, you know? Yeah. yeah, All right. So, but then Halstead gets out there 
and uh that's when they stop he he's driving because he wants to find the dog yeah and no sign of the dog bodies they find some hoof prints in the area but you know there's still horses and other things around so um but nothing else they don't find anything so the next day deputy halstead and some of the witnesses actually hold a press conference 1966 november 16th and he says that he knows all the witnesses and these people should be taken seriously and he saw how scared they were and and then so the papers start you know reporting on this this bird man uh or or he's described kind of as a, like a bat-like creature. Okay. So, um, and they said wings like a bat or wings like an angel. Uh, one of them describes them as very hairy and furry. Uh, they all describe the sunken in head. One of them says it's like he had a long neck, like a vulture with the, the shoulders hunched over. So you couldn't really tell where his head was and his neck was, but that was what everybody was describing. And they had all of them make their own statements the night before the sheriff did. And he also had them do sketches, but they all came out very eerily similar. Ooh, and do we have pictures of these sketches? They are at the Mothman Museum. Ooh. It's amazing how many, you know, papers are there. And we're going to see those when we go to Bunch yeah. uh, But uh, now the creature, right, is given all kinds of names because that's what the newspapers were doing, right? The headline from this is witnesses see something dot 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 creature dot 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 bird, you know, something like that. It's there's stupid headlines. But then finally, one newspaper decides, hey, there's a TV show on. It's really popular. Remember, this is 1966. What was the number one show on television? Yeah. 1966. Yep. I have no earthly idea. Adam West and Burt Ward. Oh, is it is it Batman? Batman. So they can't call him Batman because that would involve the TV show people coming and shutting him down. So one of them calls him the Mothman because it just for some reason somebody pulled that out and that stuck. That's the one that everybody goes with, right? Even though there's not many descriptions of the moth except that he was drawn to the light. Yeah, you know, flashlights. So that's the only reason we can think of where it came from. So now it gets picked up by national press and even international press. And so hunters and onlookers swarm the area after the press conference. The old munitions factory is now Mothman Ground Zero. The TNT area is the perfect place for a monster lair. All those weird domes. And there's tunnels under there because there's an old military facility. And there are literally acres and acres and acres of woods. And, you know, the domes are filled with weird chemicals and explosions, you know, and explosives. So it's, you know, it's it's perfect place for a monster to hide. Yeah. Uh, it is now the McClintock Wildlife Preserve, for those of you who want to look it up online. Um, and things kind of die down a little bit pretty quickly because the town just kind of wants to move on from this. Uh, There are reports. There's a lady, Miss Marcella Bennett. She observed a strange lead red light over the sky that flew over the old factory. 
And oh, she wow. Describe what it was. And so she drives to the nearby Thomas family's farmhouse to see if they can help her figure it out. And there she saw the creature rise up from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with terrible glowing eyes. And she had her baby with her. And she saw those eyes and was so entranced by the eyes, she drops her child on the ground. Wait, 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 wait. So this woman is blaming dropping her kid on the ground on Mothman? Yes. So she panics and runs to the farmhouse. And the Thomas family, like, of course, letting her in. And then she realizes what she's done. She runs back and grabs her baby. Thankfully, the baby's fine. But how shaken up do you have to be for that to happen? And again, the police are called. You know, nothing. And she had to go seek help because she kept seeing this thing in her head for weeks, months, having strange dreams about it. She was just saying that, you know, she thinks it visited her house, that it was creeping outside her house because she could hear it outside and would see the glow of the red eyes in her sleep. So, um, so basically for 13 months, the stories pick back up after that. So multiple people see it for the next 13 months. Yes. And again, some of the stories involve weird things, not quite hundred percent UFO related, but what happened was it was the reason these all start coming up was a man named John Keel comes into town oh yes john keel yeah now he was a reporter and he was drawn to ufos and the paranormal and all that um and what's funny about him is he was writing for this prestigious magazine called playboy and uh and so it is a prestigious magazine. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. It was one of the reasons I read it was because it wrote spooky stories. Stephen King wrote for it. John Keel wrote for it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, it wasn't just pictures, but um, so Keel was convinced that this thing was not an extraterrestrial. Okay. Uh, but he comes in and he 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 befriends that that Mrs. Bennett. And a couple of the other witnesses who'd seen Okay. It. And so he kind of forms a group of, you know, he's like, I would like to talk to people who've seen this. And But he also wants to know about ghostly activity and some other things. He's convinced that this is a paranormal hotspot. He's going on the cornstalk angle that, you know, that this area was cursed. I'd like to know more. And so he gets this group together and people start talking about this stuff. And, you know, he's 36 and he's convinced that these people are not alien seeing aliens or UFOs. He's like, they're seeing angels, demons, ghosts, and a quote, the gods of old. Okay. Wait, wait. So this has gone from a hairy angel looking creature with glowing red eyes. Then yeah. now it's got gray fur and is hypnotizing people. Yeah. And now we are that it's not. And then there was the UFO part of it where it's an alien. 
And now we are to the point where it's not an alien. It's an em a demon and an or an angel. Yep. He's convinced. It sounds very are... supernatural, just like Supernatural right. Season 3. Just yeah, okay. He's convinced there are these windows that open to parallel universes and other dimensions and that these things can step through them. And that's why some people just disappear as they fall into another dimension. That's his theory. And okay. so now the months he's there, he interviews over 100 and some odd people who've seen this thing. Okay. And they all have all these descriptions. That's why he is the, the source. He has his agenda, but he also has all these primary source interviews. Which is um, fine. It's just not good when you go into these things with an agenda, as we I, all know. That's as of now, we know much better. But yeah. Keel, we wouldn't be where we are without John Keel, right? With this stuff. So um, now he, every interview was at least six or seven feet tall. These, the thing they saw, broad and wide, usually shuffles when it walks. Uh, the creature's eyes were somewhere either near the top of its shoulders or a sunken head. And either a dusky gray or a dark brown, it had long wings that allowed it to glide, but nobody ever sees it flap its wings. And the wings were kind of bat-like, but covered with either feathers or fur. Okay. And, and they were darker colored than the rest of it, which is why it was so difficult to make out its features, because it would you know just basically be in shadow all the time. And one witness described that it leapt into the air and hovered like a helicopter. And then it made this strange hum. And everybody talked about the strange whine. Now, when we talk about Mothman and you see, you hear these descriptions of the beast, you know, you would think it would have some strange, large howl or something. But every description was that it was like this high-pitched squeaking sound or a squeal. So it was very, here's, here's my Mothman impression. <laughs> Okay, that was the least terrifying creature you've ever imitated. I'm just exactly right. It's almost hysterical when you hear that. Um, so he stays there. You know, he arrived in December '66, right at the height of Mothman fever, um, and he's noting the strange activity of telephones and phones in the area, and all these people he's talked to are getting weird phone calls that are just noises on the phone line and then hanging up and strange stuff's going on but then he's also teaming up with this other reporter from the ohio newspaper the messenger and her name is mary Hyer. okay and now mary starts having odd encounters so she's the one co you know correlating all this stuff and she's reporting it in the messenger um and she's she's getting you know hundreds phone calls one evening and you know just about ufos in the skies and seeing you know the creatures and stuff and then january of 67 so this is just okay. months after the first sighting she says this strange man walks into her office he's got he's about four foot tall and he had strange eyes behind very thick glasses and he was very short and had black hair cut and a bowl cut something you know but something about him just unnerved her and he was talking with very weird pauses and he was asking for directions to the town of welsh west virginia and she thought either he's foreign or has some sort of speech impediment 
but he kept getting closer and closer to her with the weird eyes staring at her. And then, so she finally calls out for help, right? Okay. Circulation manager comes in and he's like, yo, yo, what, yo, what's going on? And she's like, this guy is being weird. Can you talk to him? And so right when she was talking to him, the phone rings. And so she goes to answer it. And the strange man picks up like a pin, a ballpoint pin from her desk. And he looks at it like he'd never seen one before, according to her quote. And then he ran off laughing like a madman as he grabbed her pin. But he's short. Yeah, very short. Four foot something, you know. And so she sees him again a few weeks later. And he shows up again. She sees him in town. He sees that she recognizes him. And he goes around the corner and jumps into a very large black Cadillac where there's another man in a strange suit inside and they peel off into the night. And can you guess what we get from this, these encounters? We get the Those story of black? men in black. Okay, but, but, what, what? Okay. Yeah. So all this is going on and we, Keel starts looking into this and he starts discovering, oh, there's a lot of people have talked about strange people talking to them, sent notes they're finding after they've talked to him. They find a note under their door saying, we know what you saw. Stop talking about it. Don't talk to that man. Don't talk to the reporters. Don't talk to the, you know, and they're, they're very threatening notes. And then they're getting the weird phone calls where somebody's like listening in on the other line and stuff. So they're they're everybody's on edge about all this okay so december 15th 1967 okay the silver bridge last trigger warning gang 700 foot bridge crosses point pleasant into ohio five o'clock traffic it's christmas it's the weekend everybody's going christmas shopping Everything's doing this, and the bridge collapses instantly. Um, you know, there are dozens of vehicles on the car, and it is December, so it is wintry water underneath. 46 people lost their lives. Yeah. 44 of them are buried in the Gallipolis Cemetery. Um, two victims were never found. Their bodies were never recovered. Why why do they think they were there though? They have their car. Oh. Yeah. Um, and no one came back to their house that night. So got it. Okay. Um, so this became the headline, right? The, the worst disaster bridge disaster ever in American history, one of the worst disasters of all time. And um, suddenly the Mothman sightings just stop in the newspapers. Nobody cares anymore because why write about that when you can write about the tragedy of this family that, you know, you know, they lost their parents on Christmas when all the Christmas presents went down in the car, you know, and it's just, that's what the headlines turn into for the next months. Well, and 
justifiably so a lot of people lost their lives it's not a flying angel demon right monkey hypnotizer yep and exactly but mary Heyer says she was still getting reports of the sightings but nobody was printing them because now in in regular history mothman just disappeared at the the downing of the bridge okay supposedly saw him before the bridge disaster that day so he was warning us of the bridge that's where that comes from okay maybe he caused the accident with his high-pitched screaming uh you know infrasound maybe that's why everybody's so terrified of him there are all these theories that mothman caused the disaster or mothman was trying to warn us from the disaster and all these weird theories come from this and keel that's when he wraps up his book he's done you know you know it's i've got my story you know and so he leaves and then that's you know, that's it. You know, uh, and the his book, which we're gonna throw a link just because the Mothman prophecies is the Mothman prophecies, which they which made a movie comes out of. in seventy two, five years later. Okay, and um, and most famously gets made into a movie in two thousand two, right? Um, with Richard Gere, and um, now. Like I said, Mothman just kind of seemed to disappear at that point, right okay. after the disaster. But Mary Heyer says no. She was still getting visits from the strange men in black. She was still getting weird stories about UFOs. She was still collecting all this stuff. She was trying to get it printed. Nothing ever happened. She kept reaching out to John Keel. Um, and she sadly dies very young at, uh, you know, like right around then. Um and then a couple of the other people who Keel was using to investigate also die suddenly and early. Um, it's kind of a weird phenomena that's one of those things that's overlooked when we talk about the Mothman. Yeah. And now she, you know, like I said, this is just odd stuff going on. But now we find out that there were, you know, more stories. And that's what the plus side I got, right, is that, you know, I reached out to the area to find out what's going on and all this. Um, now, these sightings, there's an early, there's another concentration of sightings in the early 1980s. And most people were afraid to come forward because their stories didn't match the old stories, right? Right. Most never mention red eyes. Many oh, wow. and many say it doesn't look anything like a moth, but they do report a high pitched squeaking, which was not very commonly reported in the original descriptions. Uh, and thankfully, with the advent of social media, some of these people start realizing there was a flap in the 80s. And, um, you know, there was, um, was this is one that I got was from Clendenin, which is, you know, about an hour from Point Pleasant where those five guys were digging the grave. And this was a housewife was cleaning her dishes and she happened to look out the back window and she saw something strange shuffling around her backyard, kind of like walking sideways. And she thought it was, might've been a bird or, or, you know, a crane, but very big. And then she's like, it turned around and I immediately knew I was seeing the Mothman. My father had told me the stories about it in our area and I never believed him. It seemed to be injured or just moving oddly. 
as it kept shuffling about on the ground, I saw it was furry with a brown coat. It went behind my laundry line and then blasted off like a rocket over the line. It flew like it was kind of hovering without ever flapping its wings. And I ran for my phone to take a picture, but it was gone by the time I got back in less than 30 seconds. And that was in from 2007. Okay. So I also have the truck driver that emailed me and that's from 2018. And he was the one saying he was driving across the new river gorge bridge, which is in Hawks nest, West Virginia. And it's the largest suspension bridge in America. Uh, and it goes between two mountains and this thing flew up beside his car and was matching well his truck and it's matching his speed. He's, he was doing like 70 miles an hour and this thing's matching it. And he thought at first it was like a drone or, you know, something, you know, somebody with a remote controlled airplane or something. But then when he looked over at it, he says, quote, it looked like a hairy, dark brown figure with a sunken head under its wings. Large yellowish eyes told me it wasn't an owl, uh, but had some sort of strange intelligence behind it. It seemed as big as a dinosaur. And if I didn't know better, I'd have called it, quote, a flying Bigfoot. I shifted and gave my truck as much speed as I could get out of her. And I'll be damned, but the blank thing, blank kept up with me. <laughs> and so I, I would well, say. Why are you doing blanks? Did the, did he say fucking thing kept up with yes, me? What he did, did he say? Yeah, he said the fucking thing kept fucking up with me. And the damn thing flew sideways and still kept up with me before it flew off. So. So, okay, is that the last sighting you've had reported to? That's you? the last one I've had reported to me, and um, but there are others, you know, that followed the same thing. Most talk about, you know, that it's never forget the way it looked at me. It had no head. When the light hit those eyes, they burned bright red. Red glow was burned into my memory forever. That was from a guy uh, in Huntington, West Virginia, wrote me about that, and they were driving home from a baseball game when they saw it. Um, they thought it was a bear. And then when they looked closer, you know, he saw the glow of the eyes and he knew exactly what it was. So uh, what do you think it is? Okay. So that's where I go, right? I think this is something we don't understand. I think there are so many theories. Of course, the main theory is it's a bird, right? That's always the, the, the like theory. a thunderbird kind of uh, bird. That's, that's the common theory that, you know, they summoned the thunderbird and that's why it, it shrieks and that makes the thunder. It can shoot lightning out of its eyes. That's why the eyes glow. Uh, some people say it's a, a regular bird. It's, or some people say because of those weird chemicals from the TNT plant, it mutated the bird. And so it's, you know, it's a sandhill crane. That's what, you know, the common scientist says is the sandhill crane. But when I've talked to these people, that is not a crane. And these are people who live in the woods of West Virginia. They know what cranes look like. They know what herons look like. This is not a bird you know this is not yeah that. um do i believe keel's theory that it's something from another dimension that and people fall into other dimensions and all that uh i don't go that far either this is something we don't understand this is something we can't explain there's that area has tons of paranormal activity it is definitely a you know haunted area you know for ghost stories that's it's the middle of the appalachians it's the oldest mountain range in the world and this is where we have more ufo sightings than just about anywhere yeah um, 
and so is it is it alien we're only a few miles from great you know from uh derenberger's place and and our good old friend andrew cold which is why keel was so fascinated with that and he put that in his book and infamously in the mothman prophecies movie so yeah i mean and then it dis disappears for a little while the movie comes out with the advent of the movie they put up the statue Okay, uh, which is based on Frank Frazetta's cover of the Mothman Prophecies. A uh, local retired welder built that statue, and it is people come from all over the world to see that statue and to touch the shiny hiney. And again, it was based on a Frazetta drawing. So Frazetta always had muscular men and women pose for his stuff. So that's why they all, you know, he's got the six pack abs and all that. And, uh, you know, and then a short while after that, the museum opened. And after the museum opened, they had the festival. And the festival's been going on and on ever since. And it gets bigger and bigger every year. It started as just a little farm festival. It's like a fall festival near the Mothman statue. And, you know, and it's grown. And and the bridge disaster, everybody's like, oh, the Mothman caused it. No, it was a faulty I-beam. And it was a crack about three millimeters long. And it was so buried that the only way to have found it would have been to have taken that bridge apart brick by brick and cement by cement and found it, you know, and dug it up. So it was a faulty design. It was a cheap design. Most bridges that did that used cords, you know, for suspension. This bridge didn't do that. Uh, but thankfully, because that bridge disaster, all the other bridges that were like it got taken down and were built stronger. And now we don't have that problem anymore. Um, but Well, I mean, I'd like to say that's good, right? But yeah. I mean, and there's stories of a lady who had premonition, you know, premonition like dreams that she was a pregnant lady and she just felt weird and backed up at the last minute going across the bridge. She had had a dream about Christmas presents floating in the river and she backed up at the last minute and that's when the bridge collapsed and it collapsed right to where she was. So she would have been in the water too. And that was another thing John Keel seized on for his book. And, you know, that's the sort of things these actual, but if you go to the Mothman Museum, you can see some of these original writings. Some are in the Gray okay. Barker collection on the other side of West Virginia. He was a known hoaxer and prankster, but he also had, again, some of their best collection of evidence. Uh, the mu After the movie came out, the museum also has tons of props from the movie. Um, it's an amazing place to visit. Jeff Wamsley, the curator, has collected the greatest collection of Mothman memorabilia. See, and I've never watched the Mothman prophecies. Oh, so I guess that's what we're going to be watching the night before we go to the festival. So I was going to say, if you've got that DVD, we should grab it and watch. Uh, and we're not going to have any cable at our secret mountain lair uh, that we're heading to. Uh, thanks, Big Brother, who works for a government agency. I'm not allowed to discuss, uh, but uh, you know, thanks for letting us stay at your mountain bunker uh, while we go to the Mothman Festival. So. Which we appreciate. So you'll have to grab that so I can see it, so I can fully understand as I go into the museum. Yeah. Yep. All and the things. Like, oh, why is this piece of chapstick here? Why is that so important? Ooh, there it is. But they also have the Derenberger tapes. Woody's original interview about Indrid Cold is in this museum. This oh, has wow. more than just Mothman. This has a whole section on Men in Black. It has a whole section on you know other cryptids, and uh, I you, you can't go wrong. And we're going to do that. 
It's a short drive over to Flatwoods, which just had the Flatwoods Festival, which we were happily happily sponsored. Sadly, we couldn't be there, but uh, it was. I heard it was a success, so we'll definitely check that out next we'll year. We'll be there next year, go, hopefully. For your travels, you know, if you make a week of it, kind of like what we're doing, you can go hit Flatwoods, you can go hit Grafton, you can go hit all these other places we've talked to you about on the road to Mothman, uh, and then go see the Mothman himself and Point Pleasant, and we will be there for the festival, and we are going to be right behind the shiny hiney. So we're off the side road. You'll see where all the celebrities are, and they kind of tucked us in there. So, uh, Well, that is nice. Celebrities or something. So that'll be nice. Well, you know, we do think we're kind of a big deal. So I do have a Mothman theory. Mm. I just want to throw this out there just so I can get angry. I've been waiting for this. I was going to ask, what do you think? So my thought is, well, first of all, I don't think Mothman has anything to do with that very unfortunate bridge tragedy. I am so sorry those people lost their lives. If you ask anybody who works with infrastructure things, they will tell you, unfortunately, a lot of times cities, towns, they put up things and they don't maintain them. If you've ever driven on a lot of bridges, you see the amount of rust and other things that you go, they're not maintaining this. So with that bridges, there was no way to know that it wasn't, yeah, it was maintained, but it was just, there was no way to find that fault until it broke. Yeah. No, that that's accurate. I'm just saying yeah. infrastructure in general, not yeah. always the well, not always most the well cared thing. for situation. Drive with your eyes open, gang. Don't don't let your auto drive on your car do all the work. Yeah. Exactly. But here is my theory. Okay, travelers, are you prepared for Erica's theory here? Um, I think that this is a different kind of Sasquatch. A different kind of um, I'm gonna say Sasquatch, but Bigfoot. Those yeah. kind of that, like a a variant of that mm-hmm. that happens to have the ability with flight. Yeah, I I I agree. I like to think of it again as another preternatural entity that we don't understand. I like the idea of um, you know, we we talked bat squatch. We talked about you know the uh, Chicago Mothman and other Mothman like creatures sighted. And I agree. I think this is something strange that we don't understand. Did it kill Bandit? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was, I, I like to think Callie's theory where he was trying to save Bandit and he yeah. brought him to them say, please help this dog. It got hurt. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that as a win. Uh, but I think it's funny how everybody who has an encounter with it and not funny, but you know, odd that that kind of funny, not funny, haha. Uh, that yeah. everyone who's had an encounter with it has had troubled dreams, troubled experiences, and some have had paranormal activity, like poltergeist like stuff happen to them afterwards. And well, this thing just haunts them for and years. it's, I mean, we've talked about it that the, the dimensional slip is not out of the question, no. that they're coming from somewhere else that maybe has different kind of skill sets than than we do so you know keep it's your eyes on the skies maybe this is the way it tries to communicate and it, you know this is all it can do is you know give you disturbing dreams so uh maybe it is keel maybe it is uh, ultra terrestrial some people said it looked like an angel so you know but... uh i'm i'm vetoing that particular all right. option, but we'll but, see we'll see anyway gang we're gonna be immersed in mothman for the next few days and hopefully you guys will too definitely check out our uh our social medias 
as we will be, uh, you know, doing as many videos as we can while we're up there. And, uh, and we, um, we, don't we, forget to tell us your Mothman story. Send yes, them into us. You've got a Mothman story and I haven't talked to you for Erie Appalachia or I haven't talked to you, or if I, even if I did talk to you for Erie Appalachia and you want to come on and tell your Mothman story live, we'd love that. Or just send us a listener story at erietravels.com. But I think we've teased them long enough, Erica. We I have. Think, so time. we have world premiere of Destiny Beard's latest single, Angel of Death. Angel of Death. And uh, we're going to let them play us out. And we will see you on the other side.